Welcome to Group Work. I'm your host, Katie K. May, and I interview mental health therapists to find out what happens in the space where group therapy takes place. Take a deep breath and find your seat inside the circle. This episode of Group Work is about to get started. Jen Moyer is a licensed professional counselor and certified exposure and response prevention therapist. She co-leads a space parent program to help parents treat their teens OCD and anxiety. Jen strongly believes in the effectiveness of treatment and has seen the benefits in clients and her own life. She considers anxiety to be sticky in that it likes to stay around and affect all family members. So it's really rewarding to watch people become unglued. So welcoming back to the podcast, Jen Moyer, you are a, I was going to say repeat offender, but that's not the right phrase, a repeat guest, because we love you so much and you have so much information to share. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm super psyched because you in our season one podcast talked about social anxiety groups, and now you're back to talk about your space group, which I'm so thrilled to dig into today. I want to backtrack and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. I gave your formal intro, but tell our listeners who you are, what you're all about. Perfect. I love working with clients and parents who have anxiety. And my main goal in doing all of this is I just want people to live full lives. Like I, I see how small anxiety makes people's lives and a lot of times how it interferes. And I just want them to live big, full lives according to whatever values they have and how they want to live. I think it's such a beautiful way to put anxiety work is it's not shaming the avoidance or it's not, you know, telling them there's something wrong with them, but really this formulation of like, I want your life to be big and fulfilling and worth living. And you're going to help them move towards the track to get there. Yes. I love that. Cause it's so understandable to have the urge to avoid. And I know anxiety can be strong and that urge can be strong and no shame in it. And yeah, absolutely. I know that there's like healing that can be done to live full lives. Exactly. And I know for myself as a parent, there was this sense of like, when my child is anxious, I don't want to invalidate them. And so I would give in to the anxiety. And then it was actually another therapist who taught me like the natural urge of anxiety is always to avoid. And so you're actually helping when you're doing some of the things we'll talk about today. But I know it's not it's not a natural instinct for most people to do what you're going to talk about. Absolutely. I think it really does go against a natural parent instinct. And it's for not sure. it's, it's I don't think anyone's first inclination. Yeah, I would agree with that. So before we dive into the details of your group, you've already shared a fun fact about you from high school. Do you have another item you'd like to share with our audience, like a favorite band from when you were younger, a favorite movie that really resonates with you? Like, what are you willing to share that tells us a little bit more about you? I was such a Blink-182 fan all throughout high school. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) I've seen them in concert. I I went to Warp Tour when I was in high school and they were one of the bands that I saw. I love that. So jealous of you. (laughs) And now it really resonates with me, the song What's My Age Again, because I forget how old I am and then I have to like count. That's how old I am is that I have to count how old I am. I start getting mixed up on the years. I have to exactly. backtrack two or three years there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> 
All right. So give us an overview of what space is before we dig into like what a group looks like and the format. I don't think space is well known to most people. So how would you describe it to someone who doesn't know what it is? I agree. I had not heard of it even as a therapist earlier on in my career. Yeah. So space is a program that's specifically designed for parents whose teens have anxiety. And that could be a generalized anxiety about, you know, in several different areas, it could be OCD related anxiety, it could be social anxiety, really any type of anxiety disorder. And space program was developed because there there was such a shortage in the field of like resources for parents of kind of like what to do if my child, you know, either isn't in therapy or doesn't want to participate in therapy, or maybe they're in therapy, but they're struggling a lot to really do some of this anxiety work of this, the gold standard of exposure therapy. And so I really think this program is a program that puts some power back into parents in a way that they don't feel like they have to micromanage their child, or they don't feel like they don't have to change any of their child's behaviors, but it's all about actions that they can take and change to essentially like shrink their teen or their child's anxiety. I love that so much. I'm hearing you say that they're they're able to positively influence change without like dragging their because we know that doesn't work to drag your child or teen into treatment if they're not motivated to make changes on their own. And anxiety seems like it's a big part of this. What would a parent or a family be experiencing that would lead them to considering space? Like what are those pain points or problems that they're seeing that makes them a good fit? When I work with parents, a lot of what I see and where I think space does really help them is, let's say they notice that their lives are are taken up by their teen's anxiety, not on purpose, not that anyone's doing this on purpose or, you know, but it it really can be, I, I find that when a teen has anxiety, it tends to want everyone that that anxiety urge tends to want everyone to like accommodate them in some way or flex their own personal boundaries in some way. And so if you're a parent that maybe you find that you used to have some of your own time or used to do things and now you're no longer doing those things. And instead you're maybe doing things for your teen, um, things that might be age appropriate for them to do, or they're capable of doing themselves if they wouldn't have anxiety, that would be an appropriate parent to join space. I have a a lot of parents tell me, you know, they used to maybe go out all the, not all the time, they used to go out of the house and maybe now they're staying in the house completely, or maybe they're sleeping in their teen's bedroom at times, or maybe they're doing all these like chores for their teen or homework for their teen and just spending a lot of their lives doing things for their teen because they're experiencing that urge to, to really like help and they don't know another way to do it. It almost seems like anxiety becomes a black hole that pulls everything into it. And then life becomes organized around the child's anxiety. I love that metaphor of the black hole. It really is. It does. I find anxiety just pulls any family member in. Um, yeah. And at, a, at its core, it, it it's really afraid that that the team can't handle like anxiety doesn't think that that the team can handle it. And then parents anxiety doesn't think the team can handle it either. There's a lot of times doubts about that. It sounds like then there's this self-fulfilling cycle of the teen not thinking that they can handle their anxiety, the parents stepping in to accommodate them, and then the teen being like, or the teen's brain coming to this conclusion of like, oh, I actually can't handle that, and then maintaining the whole system. Yes, absolutely. I hear a lot of parents that have been through space that will say, I didn't realize how much I was doing to try to cope for my child rather than my, my teen actually coping themselves. Yeah, I love that. That's powerful to think about like that realization. 
in terms of your group, what do the demographics look like? Like, I know it's a, a group for parents of teens. The composition of like the teens themselves, is it parents of 11 year olds, 19 year olds? Like, what's kind of your inclusion criteria for parents? Yeah, we tend to have it be parents whose teens are in, I would say, junior high, middle school, that age range through high school. There is parent programming for young adults who have a failure to launch or just aren't getting out there. Um, I, I would say that they could benefit from our group in, in some ways too, although they might need some more individual support for that particular issue. But the demographic is teens in that, that age range. I would say the 11 to 12 to 19 age range. Cool. We'll have you on for season three about fa- failure to launch. We'll just keep Perfect. coming back to it. I love it. <laughs> Is there anyone who's not a good fit for space group, like any parents or presenting concerns that would just be not appropriate and you would screen out before they even get to group? Absolutely. I do um, value our screening process that we have just to make sure that it, it, this is really what parents need and that that I guess, number one, that the issue is really teens anxiety. So, for example, the teens actually don't have anxiety and may, or maybe they have anxiety, but their main presenting issue is they are so dysregulated emotionally then I think space wouldn't be the first line of treatment. Maybe something like a DBT group would to help parents to learn to validate their teens, other emotional experiences and and regulate in that way. But so I would say that would be an exclusion criteria for now until, until teen and parents learn some foundational skills and then the parents can go on to space. I love that. So just thinking about like the roadmap of what they need, almost the prerequisites to be in a space group. And it just might mean some skills in the forefront. Absolutely. Because I do think the teens need some level of skill to be able to cope with parents being in this program. So that's important. Yeah. And then I think the parents need some level of, of, of emotional regulation as well, which I know can be really challenging. It sounds like that could be one of the hardest parts is that ability to tolerate changing the system from the inside out. And then, you know, the teen response as they're adjusting to the new system. Absolutely. Yeah. It can be uncomfortable and yet really freeing. I'm, I'm finding. Oh, the dialectic. It's both. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So talk me through the group format, like start to finish. What does the structure of one full group look like? The group is about an hour and the structure kind of depends on the progression of the group. So I find that the first few groups are a lot about piecemealing these skills, building these skills so that when parents can change their patterns, they're ready and they feel more confident and they feel prepared to do so. So the first few groups are a lot about learn exploring themselves and, and figuring out what the pattern is and being able to like take a step back and observe their teen's anxiety from a non-judgmental perspective and, and observe their own emotional reactions from a non-judgmental perspective and see it, see the, those patterns. And then to really build that awareness into how are they getting sucked into that black hole of anxiety and what would they what would they like to do instead? And so there's a lot of exploration work as we slowly start to build skills. And then even in that, parents will learn early on in the group how to provide a different type of support for their teen. So a support that's not just validation. And it's so it's also not just accepting that, you know, that this is the way it's always going to be. And it's not also like I think a lot of people have the urge, understandably, to kind of also do the pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like let's do this, you know, and it might create that approach. And so parents will learn how to mix validation skills with confidence that their teen can handle 
their own okay. anxiety and, and just start to build these even verbal support for their teen. And that's the first few groups. And then they, and then they start to identify how they can change their patterns, what exactly that's going to look like and come up with a strong roadmap. So in the moment of their own anxiety and their own doubts, and they know exactly what to do to change those patterns and they carry that out. I feel that in my heart as you're saying that there's a shift that happens somewhere for them. I'm curious, like what you observe as that aha moment for parents when they recognize I actually have the I actually can feel empowered to make some of these changes at home. And I see how I can contribute to that change. Like, what does that look like or feel like for you as a group leader? That's such a good question. I see the aha moment happen a couple times throughout the progression. And one is when they start to realize how much they've been doing for their teen's anxiety, that all well-meaning. And it just it's just natural biological instinct. I think that we get sucked into this black hole. Yeah. And so when they start to realize maybe, and not in a judgmental way, but maybe this has actually been growing anxiety. Maybe my responses have been growing anxiety just because the way we all have our personal urges, you know? And so maybe there is something I can actually do that's not forcing my teen to do anything because that's such a tough road to walk. So it's like, there's something I can actually do that. It doesn't, it doesn't even kind of matter how my teen reacts like they can react however they're going to react but like I have the power to react how I'm going to react in a way that's setting boundaries against anxiety not against their teen even against their teen's anxiety right like putting anxiety on one side and parent and teen on the other side that they're they're approaching attacking combating it together but maybe from different standpoints exactly yeah yeah I do see aha moments too when the parents like oh it's not even about my my teen, it's about their anxiety. And so like, we're treating anxiety as this family member, so to speak, like really boundaries around that. Mm -hmm. I love that too, because then it's, it's not about something being wrong with the teen, you know, that shame or personal attribute that comes with these challenges. It's about the anxiety. And then we're all, we're all aligned and that feels better for me at least. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do also see a light bulb moment when parents realize that they're not alone, that there's a statistic and I want to say it's like 95 or 96% of families whose teen just naturally has anxiety. It probably was born, you know, with a more anxious disposition that families will accommodate that anxiety and we'll get in this cycle. So it's almost at a hundred percent of people. And I think when they realize like, this isn't about any failure as a parent, this isn't about yeah teens failure. This is just about the nature of how anxiety works and how it pulls on our natural instincts to respond a certain way to it. That's so normalizing too, that it's, you know, it's not just you. Right. So the last light bulb moment I see, which is a really rewarding one is after parents start to implement their plans and how they're going to change their behavior and they start to notice that they get some of their life back and nine times out of 10, they notice their teens start to build their own coping skills and they start to see wins on their teens end too. And that's just so, that's a huge light bulb moment. Such rewarding work too, to be able to see these kinds of concrete outcomes. How long is the group like that? You know, how many weeks that you're seeing things like this happen? The group is 12 weeks. And and usually by the end of that, parents will know kind of what to do to keep that ball rolling. And they've already seen positive outcomes. So it's reinforcing even within the group that I'm going to keep coming and doing this because I'm already seeing the results. That's amazing. Yeah. What kinds of themes or topics like are a part of this curriculum that are bringing parents to these results? 
Ooh, that's a good question. One theme is to create this new definition of support around what it means to support a teen with anxiety. Like I said, our, our normal, just biological as humans urge is to either kind of demand that their teen, like, just do it, like, just jump the in Nike, just do it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Or to really kind of validate and protect, like, mm-hmm. it's okay, I'll do this as a parent, I'll do this for you. And so that's just human you know, biology there. And so we're really defining a new definition of support, which combines being able to validate your teen and show them that you recognize how difficult this is for them. And also being able to instill that confidence that they can handle it, both through like the words that a parent says to their teen, but also through the parent's own actions and not jumping in to overprotect or not demanding either that, you know, they do something. But So it's really creating this new definition of what it means to support a teen. And then from there, parent accommodations to to start to see where where are they getting sucked in the black hole and what are they going to do differently? Like what's a really concrete plan? And it's step by step. So it can be like, what's the first step to pulling out of the black hole in service of showing the teen, like, I'm not going to do this anymore for anxiety because I know that the most loving thing I can do is like not do this anymore. Yeah. What are some accommodations like examples so that therapists can understand what are some of the things that we're pulling back from parents to stop doing? Oh, that's a great question. I would say like social anxiety. I see a lot of sometimes like ordering food for their teens or going places for their teens or contacting, emailing their teachers or things like that. For generalized anxiety, it can also be just like trying to overprotect in the way of maybe giving a lot of reassurance that everything is going to be okay or asking, answering a lot of repeated questions, sometimes like overdoing for them, maybe like doing developmental tasks that they should be doing. And it could be chores around the house or their homework or, you know, because their teens may be too in their head or worrying a lot. Yeah, yeah. I see those kinds of things play out too. So that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With those CD, it can be compulsions too. Okay. Um, That the parent maybe engages in some of their compulsions, not even knowing it, but a lot of the the common ones for that could be reassurance seeking or almost, almost making it easy for their team to avoid. Again, not on purpose, just creating an environment that is pretty conducive to avoidance. Yeah. So making sure that we're not over-accommodating in the sense of helping our teens, children avoid and or doing for them because those, those behaviors maintain the anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. What's the most challenging part of this group for you, if anything, like what's difficult and how do you overcome that challenge? I think it can be difficult at first that parents can blame themselves. And so understandably, because probably if they're in this group and they're, they're making accommodations, they're, they love their kids, they love their teens, and they're just doing whatever they can to help their teens. And so I think there can be sometimes a level of, of shame that parents hold in this, or when they start to learn that there's this other pathway. And sometimes I'll see some self-blame in the group. And we talk about that as a theme and really try to reframe that, that this is, this was actually just you being a great parent and caring about your teen and doing everything that our human biology tells you to do with the, with the parent instinct. So I think getting through that shame to know like you're, you're a really good parent still. I think that feels tricky as a therapist thinking about like inevitably parent guilt and shame are going to show up when we're teaching them a new way of doing something. And then we don't want to jump in and 
I don't know, like over reassure them that everything, you know, cause they still need. So finding that balance of like, yeah, like we're sitting with you in this feeling and it makes sense that you're feeling some guilt or shame because you could have done something a different way. And now you can do something a different way. So right. holding that balance of acceptance and change with them as well. So it's kind of like multi-layered. That's a really good point. And I love it when a parent then can say, you know, I realized that I, I love my teen. I was just trying to help my teen. And what I was doing wasn't the best way to help them for their anxiety. And, and they just are, they're able to sit with that and really still change. And that's, yeah, yeah I really like I that. I love that. Sometimes there is a challenge in building awareness too. And not that parents aren't aware, but it's just, it is the, it's that black hole effect that they've been doing this likely for a lot of years. So as therapist and, and a leader of the group, it's important to compassionately point out what they're doing that a lot of times they probably don't even realize is an accommodation or is feeding anxiety. Yeah. Is that hard for you? Do you find that, you know, compassionate directness to be a challenge? I do at times, especially I would say in the group setting, an individual, yeah. in the group, it feels a little more like being on stage with the rest of mm. the members watching. Although I will say what's helped me through is just noticing that a lot of parents have the same pattern. So we're all yeah. together and just normalizing that, that, you know, you won't be aware of all your accommodations. And that's why we're here for too, is to help give this outside perspective. I think that's a really good point. It's something I tend to fall back on so that I'm not falling into shame is like, you know, it's normal that a lot of teens or a lot of parents might do this behavior. Does that resonate with you? When like, I know it resonates with you, but I'm going to put it out there like that so that it doesn't feel like I'm pointing a finger at you. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Cause that, that's kind of what it would trigger in me is this, like I'm pointing a finger at them and I'm like, yeah. you're so right. It's like normalizing it from the start. And sometimes I'll even say to parents, when it comes to anxiety, we're all going to help each other be kind of our own like detectives, so if you will, because anxiety is so tricky that like it's you're never gonna nobody's ever gonna know all of their accommodations until somebody from the outside might be able to say, oh wait a second, I spotted that. And yeah, I love that. So it's a supportive and environment that holds accountability too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you require an intake for this group? We do. So a lot of the people at our center, if they're already in the center, if their teens are already in the center, they've likely had a parent intake already where this might have even initially been like flags, if you will, at, at a intake session of when that clinician's talking to a parent and noticing that the parent's saying a lot of concerns about their teen's anxiety and, and ways that they might be accommodating. If they're new to the practice and their teen's not in there, we do require intake for parents. And part of that is to just to give some parents some individual support and connection with somebody and to know like this is common for parents to do this thing. And to really, I think that even sets the stage to start to be able to label accommodations and start to notice what their own individual pattern is. And so I think that intake is really important for that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a screening and also probably like foundational orientation part of the group. Exactly. Yeah. It, you're right. It is both. Yeah, I love that. And then if another therapist wanted to run space groups, what would be your top tip or way to, you know, help them get started? What would you suggest as a first step towards running space groups? I think I've really found it valuable to get trained in space. I know it's a very difficult training to get into. So so if you go on, I think it's spacetreatment.net, although I don't mm-hmm. have that address. We'll link it. You're right. Perfect. Perfect. If you go on to there, they offered trainings. I want to say either monthly or every other month, just a space training that was about two days. That's virtual right now. 
And I think that that was just foundational for me that I, I really needed those skills. I would recommend that you tr- they try to monitor or get, get notifications to sign up for that training because it sells out in like a day. It's like, <laughs> it's like trying to get Rolling Stones tickets or something. Yeah. <laughs> we were both like monitoring our inboxes for release dates and grab them real quick. So you're right. They're hard to get, but worth it. It really is an effective framework that, that has, we've seen some powerful results with. So I'm excited that you're offering this. Yeah, I agree. It, it is really, it, it's a powerful treatment and it, it is really, I would encourage people to pursue it because it is really rewarding to see the change in parent behavior and then their teen building their own confidence as a result, like parents will report really great things in group. Yeah. The thing I would say is just working on those compassionate directness skills, because I do think that that's needed in this space treatment, just because of the nature of anxiety and having to bring things to awareness that are just kind of knee jerk reactions over the, that parents have been doing over the years. I think necessary skill for all therapists doing any kind of exposure therapy is like building up that tolerance to being compassionately direct and tolerating discomfort in the room is a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, wrap us up with your stat, because I know there's some statistic about like the, the research behind, maybe it's not a number, but the research behind parents getting support without the child or teen ever being in treatment and how effective that is. Yeah. I think this is like so incredible. I don't have the exact number, but it's something along the lines of, and it's just probably off by a little percentage that this treatment for parents is just as effective as teens being in their own exposure therapy treatment, which is like the gold standard for just individual therapy treatment. And I just think that's incredible that you can get the same results, even if the teen isn't in treatment, just by nature of the family, the parents reducing accommodations. I think it's so fascinating. And, you know, I'm a DBT therapist and behaviorism is a big part of that. And one of the things that I know is the fastest way to create behavior change is to shift the environment. And so that's what you're doing in this in this group is you're changing the environment so that the the teen within the environment makes changes as well. Absolutely. It's really amazing. Well, I'm so glad you were here. We'll see you back again and again. (laughs) You're not getting away from us. (laughs) If you want to learn more about Jen and what she does, check out creativehealingphilly.com slash Jen Moyer. Jen, you're a star. Thank you so much for being Uh here. I love it. Thank you for having me. Hey, groupie. Thanks for listening. For more resources on how you can market, fill, and run your group in private practice, check me out at becomeagroupguru.com. 